Men den är konstig. Vad får du göra med mig? Jag trodde det var någon annan som hade någon annan som hade någon annan som hade någon annan som hade How she wished this was a real wedding day and not this nightmare. There was still half the zipper to go up. No matter how hard she tried, she could not reach it. She found Paul in the kitchen watching out the window. Gussie touched him on the arm, lingering a bit. He turned and drew a quick breath. Oh, was all he said. Will you zip me? I'd be honored, my lady. He zipped it the rest of the way and leaned in and smelled her neck. She tensed. Something wrong? No, Paul, just ticklish. I'll have to remember that, he said, squeezing her waist. God, she hated these comments. It was nearly two o'clock. The justice would be here soon. Closing her eyes, Gussie said a little prayer in her head. Bride? Gussie looked at him. Oh, God, what now? I've explained to the justice that I cannot wear rings due to my arthritis. What? She blurted, not sure why she cared. She was just on edge. He's not wearing a ring? He wanted so badly to be married. I didn't know you had arthritis. He gave her a look like she was stupid. Jesus, Gussie, if I have a ring, people will want to see the wife. She cringed at the phrase, the wife. Oh, thought Gussie, of course. And as the justice walked toward the door, he added, this is more about ownership, if you know what I mean. Gussie looked at Paul. Paul looked at the justice and welcomed him inside. Gussie gestured to the key hooks. You may use our hooks if you like. The justice shared a quick look with Paul and then hung his keys. What was that look? thought Gussie. Is he in on this? No, Paul had threatened to kill him if she did anything. Or was that just a cover? Her heart was racing. Fear filled her. Maybe it was a husband-to-be look. You're in for it now, pal, with all these rules. Her mouth was dry. She went to the sink and drank a big glass of water. Cold feet, honey? Yes, she said a little too loudly. Only you knew why. They sat at the table and discussed the details. Gussie tried hard not to look at the open door, but she couldn't help it. Just a screen door between me and freedom. It took every ounce not to run. What could he do? The thought left quickly. He'd kill this man and he'd kill M. She had to stick to the plan. Something going on outside, Gussie? asked Paul. Oh crap, she had to stop. She smiled and squeezed his leg. Uh, no, just watching the bird bath, hoping to see some birds. That seemed to satisfy him. They all moved into the living room. The justice set up his things on the end of the coffee table. Okay, let's begin, you two. You must be excited. The justice began the vows. And will you take this man to be your husband? Gussie took a deep breath. I do. Paul was transfixed. And will you take this woman to be your wife? Oh, yes, I do. Please place the ring on her finger. Now the plan was to push the wall while Paul was still putting the ring on her finger. He'd have to look at her finger. He'd be totally distracted, and it would be before the pronouncement. Paul reached into his pocket, pulled out the ring, and dropped it. It rolled away under the coffee table. Paul scrambled to grab it. Down on the floor, he reached under the table. Succeeding, he started to get up. They stopped and stared at the ashtray. The ashtray Gussie had thoughtlessly brushed the bit of sawdust in. Paul touched the sawdust with his finger. Gussie watched his eyes wander up the plywood covering the stairwell. Gussie screamed, Now! There was a scraping sound as the plywood started to push away. Gussie moved backward. The justice moved backward. Paul tried to lean back. 
the plywood picked up speed and crashed into him, knocking him to the floor. He struggled to get out from under the board. M stood there, wearing his mother's dress and wig. It was a bizarre sight. As Paul began to pull himself out, M walked over to the board and yelled at him. Paul, you stop that right now, forcing that girl to marry you. You should be ashamed. Paul's eyes were wide. Mom? I'm sorry, Mom. I just liked her so much. I always have. Gussie ran for the kitchen and grabbed the keys off the hook. Am ran to catch up and they both ran out the door. They both got in the car and locked the door. Paul was coming now, running toward them. Gussie got the car started and put in reverse. He was at her door, pulling on it. Am was screaming, no, Paul, no, and then added, I'll tell your father. Paul let go of the door handle. Gussie backed down the driveway, swerving wildly. When she reached the road, she looked back to see Paul standing motionless in the driveway. Neither spoke for a long time. Gussie just kept driving and driving. She didn't even know where they were. She kept making turns. She didn't know if he would come after them. Finally, she found a little closed mechanic station and parked among the cars there. Her hands were shaking. She turned and looked at Em. She stared at the woman beside her. Reaching over, she pulled off the wig. She looked familiar, but she couldn't place her. The woman stared back. She made a startled gasping noise. She reached her hand out and touched Gussie's face. Augusta, is that you? Gussie couldn't speak. Who are you? I believe I'm your mother. Gussie continued to stare. Mama, is it really you? Gussie started to cry and her mother cried with her. They held each other for a long time. How, Gussie finally said, how is it you? Paul kidnapped me. I didn't leave you. I would never have left you. He'd always liked me, but I would never agree to go out with him. So he took me. Gussie then remembered all those strange things Paul used to say about how she should remember what he did or how he had always loved her. You do look at, like me at that age. You're all grown up. Her mother started to cry. Gussie said, why is your name M? That's his nickname for me. That's all I've heard for the last 18 years. The postcards. He made me send them. He'd send them from the road when he traveled. Gussie leaned over and hugged her again. Her name's Meg, of course. The monster's name's really Meg, right? Meg asked quietly, is mom still alive? Gussie shook her head. I'm sorry. She's gone. Meg started to sob. Gussie held her hands until she cried herself out. When she passed, I decided to go look for you. They would have much to talk about in the days ahead, but there were immediate things to deal with. Gussie said, we have to find a phone. We have to find the police. He may hurt that man. They set off in search of help together. I totally forgot she was going for the mother. That's when I'm like, where did the mother come from? <laughs> it's been a while since we had the start. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I like the way you ended it. Yeah? I, I do. I, I just, Paul and the preacher, you're wondering, you know, like there's no need to deal with that. Um, I'm confused, though. Who died? A sister? Grandmother. The grandmother. grandmother she still with her grandmother, remember? She, that's hey. she took care of her after her mom disappeared. So how old is her mother? And how old is Paul? Like, I thought Paul and Gussie were a similar age, but not so. No, he's older than her. Yeah. Is her mother is... Uh, okay, so... 43? Gussie's, what, 23? Yeah. Okay. No, is that right? 
Her mom was 15 when she had her. Oh. She had her okay. very young. And she was five when she disappeared. His daughter that, was five. It's all about in the Yeah, I, went, I had to go back and check. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's at the beginning. At she was any, four or five. Four, at, maybe. At any point, do we know how old Paul is? Because I had a real hard time getting my head around kidnapping the mother and, and the keeping her and then kidnapping the daughter. You know what I'm saying? That she, there's a, but she was only 15 when Gussie was born, so... So he took her when she was 19, I think. And he's had her 18 years. What's that? 30? 37? I don't have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Gussie, I know. Time math. I hate time math. <laughs> well, if, if, if she had the girl at 15, mm -hmm. and the girl's 23... Somebody do that math. Yeah, yeah, and Paul's, Paul's the same age. I mean, I introduced him originally as a truck driver, and he comes yeah. into the for some reason I think the diner and he was having by the diner or something. Yeah, and he struck me as being in his thirties at that. Oh, point. oh, good. That's what I was hoping. Okay, so. He would be in his 30s when he abducted Gussie, who was 18. Yeah. And that made, okay. So he definitely could have had. And and what was, okay. M. That's his name. The mother's name is Meg. See, I thought the M was for mother. No. No. Written in the story, it's just E-M. Oh, M. That's his nickname for her. Instead of Meg, she was M. I couldn't call her Meg Maybe or you'd catch on. Maybe he was dyslexic. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And then I hope nobody would notice that these two didn't really do the whole intro thing. They were so fixed on, you know, their situation and how to get oh, out of it. Right. Nobody noticed that they didn't do the, hi, I'm Gussie, hi, I'm... They mm -hmm. never introduced They didn't themselves. go into how they got taken. But she knew her name was M. Oh, but not Meg. Yeah. She was just M. And you wouldn't, she wouldn't recognize her? Oh, probably not, because she was just a child. She was just a little kid. And her mother was taken. Oh. Well, that sure was startling. Oh, good. So why did she suddenly recognize her at the end, then? She just thought she looked familiar, but her mother knew her. Why wouldn't her mother have known her earlier. Why would she? I would assume she's just a voice. She's just a voice on the other yeah. side of the oh, door. She she's all grown yeah. up. They, they've never really, That's other than maybe through a little hole in the... Yeah, they've oh, never okay. seen each other before they've that. They've never seen each other. Okay. That That's makes sense. Okay, I miss that too. <laughs> yeah, I miss that too. Um, we little things. Um, she said a little prayer in her head. I don't know. She said a silent yeah. It just sounded, it just caught me. Okay. I was doing something last night and she was there looking at it and it said something about she said to herself or she said in her head. I'm like, okay. Or she thought in her head, like, whoa, Prairie would kill yeah, thought me. thought in her head. <laughs> yeah. There was, there was something and I was like, Prairie would get that tomorrow. <laughs> it, was, it was too late. It was redundant to hear Prairie last The night. other voice in her head said. <laughs> there was something, yeah. There was, yeah. There was something and I thought, no, no, that's coming the marriage official justice. The justice would arrive. The justice of the peace? 
Is that a I thing? No, for yep. some reason I kind of liked justice because it was almost like justice is coming. Yeah, yeah I like that they, too. They actually call him an officiant. Oh. Yeah. yeah, that's who did our wedding. Yeah, twenty years ago. They still, there's still justice in the peace act. There's still justice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think I there justice, justice of the peace. I think there's there might be even two sort of. We but had anyway. an officiant like yeah. you did. She was an ex nun who got a, you know, you get accredited to officiate weddings. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, I think that I think the justice of the peace are sort of the civil. And then the right. officiants may be related to the church. I know, I just know because my husband's working on the legislation and I know there's a Justice of the Peace Act or there's okay. a Justice of the Peace Act. I think they're both because our officiant was not religious in any way. That was okay. why we had chosen an officiant. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, I actually did place. weddings yeah. up north. I was yeah. Justice of the Peace and I did three or four weddings. So here's my question cool. too it then, was. though. Why would a Justice of the Peace come to the house to do it? Usually people somewhere. No, yeah. no my brother was in their house. Yeah. Well, we, ours, we had ours in the legislative assembly building in the lobby and he came to us. We contacted him. We gave okay. him a meal. Right. We made a donation okay. to a charity on his yeah. behalf. They came to my brother's <laughs> living room. So, yeah. yeah, I did them in li a couple living rooms mm -hmm. and one out in the park. And no, I, yeah. I, I, we were born. We were married in the together a long time? Um, in our house, but that was an officiant. I'm thinking that justice is more. I think it's the same thing. Okay. Ultimately, mm -hmm. it's yeah. the same thing. Whether the, the maybe this was different. just me. I found the vows abrupt. I, I just assume for the story, you don't have to go yeah. through the whole thing. Yeah, because I, I didn't know them. I. But well, I think I mentioned because I, I think you want to do all that. You got us to. The, the vows and stuff and the ring. I may, well, I want to say it was after it was the ashtray was the last thing we did, the last time. And oh. I think I also mentioned that you you know tech, you know for a proper, you need to have a witness, yeah. right? There were a few things that you need to have oh. to make it real. Now maybe it's not going to be real, right? Like, right, that's true. Because there's 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 the the there's a, a marriage act. God, really. Um, and there's various, there's a couple specific things you have to say regardless of, you know, and I'm sure most of the time you see them, they don't actually say that, but you do have to, you have to, there's a couple, there's two, as I recall specifically, that you have to say. Something like your lawfully wedded husband. And no, no, it's just, it, it's that there's no lawful, no reason why you shouldn't be married to, and there's another phrase. Oh, I forget right. what it is. It's really yeah. not... Very po very flowery and po right. poetic. So it's impediments to the marriage. Yes, and yeah. there. I forget what the other one is. Anyway, yeah, like the solemnization of solemni solemnization of marriage act would give it to you. I think that's the But anyway, but if you know, if so, I mean, would Gussie know? Probably. How not. many lawyers are going to read it? We've already got one. It's not even in yet. I don't know, maybe I should have in that. And does that clutter up my story? I don't know if Paul could say that his mother <laughs> or whoever that, that woman he or, is upstairs. But, but if Gussie wouldn't necessarily know. She didn't recognize her until she took the legal. No, but if she but she doesn't necessarily know what the legal requirements for marriage is. So maybe ultimately no, Paul's pulling a fast one. Mm -hmm. Unless he was in he, it, Well, exactly. Maybe he wasn't a justice of the peace. And I know you sort of hinted that maybe that's what was happening. And, and I'm not, I'm not trying, I'm just, I'm just, it's the, sometimes it's those details that somebody might, but maybe most people wouldn't care about. Or most people would kind of go, 
he was, she was never going to be really married to him anyway because he didn't do this and this. <laughs> yeah, but he could have said he was going to use that lady, the other lady. Anyway. Right? I could have yeah, her bring, have I like could have her bring that up. She'd have to, well, yes, like somebody would have to be physically beside But her. then that whole sawdust thing would go down the tubes, and I really like that. Or he suspects at the end, you know, they've done something. Why would that have to go down the tubes? Because she comes and hits the door and it smashes on him. So she can't be present. As a oh, no, she wasn't going to be present. Oh, oh, yeah, she'd have to be watching. That kind of... Uh... Yeah. Yeah, so that... Yeah, uh, even even in Elvis's chapel in Vegas, <laughs> there's a witness. I know. Yeah, <laughs> it might be, you know, somebody dressed as uh, Lisa Marie Presley or uh, Priscilla... <laughs> But there's a witness. Wow. <laughs> I don't know how to get around that then. Well, then it was never going to be a real marriage, right? That's that's how I you get around it. You just assume that Gussie wouldn't have known. Uh, yeah. But little. he he thinks that's why he because oh, he went further to... with M than he did with Gussie. They couldn't have kids. He wanted kids. Okay. And he and, and he, he thinks it was he was because being he wasn't punished by God because he wasn't married. Right. So he wants it to be legal. Mm. Yeah. Then he's blackmailing the JP. Oh. Or he's just a psychopath, so he doesn't know any better. Yes, that's true, too. But yeah, well, that's what I'm saying, but I mean, if Paul thinks... I, I don't know. I don't know how to... I don't know what they work that. Uh, he's got a twisted mind, so well, it's is... just as easy for him to get something on a JP. Or to just... He's had time to set it up. He's had years. Oh, yeah. So... You know, this is or he's got some twisted friends. I don't know. <laughs> you're you're going to put this wedding through regardless, and here's the name of the witness. Well, that's yeah, that's sort of what I, she you hinted that maybe this wasn't a real justice of the peace or something. Yeah. Well, maybe the thing are in on it. You could make it a yeah. little more, you know, without being obvious, but the fact that yes, this is sort of, this is. You had that look between them. Yeah. Mm. That's right. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah what was that? Yeah, just had him blackmail the JP. Yeah. Okay. And that would <laughs> certainly solve the witness problem. <laughs> because he's blackmailing him, you know, we're going to do this. And Yeah, you won't need the witness but, but, for that. And, and is Paul stupid enough to know he doesn't need a witness? All you got to do is have a name on the document. Well, that's true, too. So you don't need a witness, you just need the name. Somebody who's going to know yeah. who's going to check. Yeah. Did Paul know? Yeah, only if there's an issue. Does anybody ever check? Yeah, yeah, but again, he, he if this Gussie, guy's as bad as he is, he, was that he can have that arranged. No, he didn't know. No. Okay. No, he just knows she looks like her. So probably oh. get and that's and that's, that's triggered him again. Vital stats. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure I had to mail them to vital stats. Sorry, yeah, sir. I'm not, I'm not trying to bog you down and make it work. I'm just. That's just my. I thought it worked. That's my bent. That's what. That's where my head goes. When we got married, there was nobody checked out our witnesses or anything else. Not then, no, but, but your officiant has to, to submit be. the documentation yeah. that has a signature. And yeah. so, yeah, somebody sitting at a desk and sees a signature is not going to be able to say they one way or the other. They don't pay any attention yeah. to it. They just yeah. file the record. I mean, hell, Paul could have signed somebody's name, right? So, yeah. And as I said, if he's blackmailing yeah. the officiant, yeah. here's yeah. the name As long as it's on there. No, you're right. You're right. As long as something's on there and it looks... Yeah. Unless it actually ended up being court with the cops, as it will, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not a problem. <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, and Prairie just said he could have told the guy, I have someone to sign it at the end. Yeah. Right. And so his plan is to have him sign it, you know, when he's got a signature. You only need one witness, right? You need two, because we had to have two. I remember two. We have two. Oh, I'm going to really geez. complicate your life, I'm sorry. Well, I know, because we had, <coughs> I had my daughter living with me, and, and we were told. Good, well, because it's normally when you, it's normally the people standing up with you, right? right. Like if you have, for a, for a church wedding, mm-hmm. or even, you know, if you right, have yeah. a best man or... Honestly, best, or a I think the story or, works. It's got the catch. Yeah. Don't worry about it. This is just technicality stuff. Yes, yeah, sorry. Like I and said, other writers break technicality stuff. Okay. So what? It's got a flaw. Who cares? Okay. And, again, it's, and, and then he, well, and then say at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because she busted his ass and ran out of there. So yeah, like so. Okay. I, so I think it. I think it works. It's does. a nice story. It's a nice little story. Yeah. And it, yeah, you can break the rules. You can do it. You so want. it's not you know? like out of left field when you go. Ah, oh, the person never mentioned is the killer. No, I, I think honestly, reading that, I just assume it was all part of a warped play. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't think I would at that point in the book be questioning it. Okay. Yeah. But the fact that it's suddenly that you learn it's her mother. Oh yeah, that is... that, that, that uh, yeah, because I, I forgot. Well, I knew as soon as you know. Yeah, he knew. He's nodding. And I'm yeah, like, immediately. <laughs> I just forgot who, which one. But there was a person that was missing, and I'm like, oh, of course, he took that person as well. That made perfect sense. But I didn't want anyone to see it coming. Is the thing. Yeah. So well, like, no, it, it didn't no, work didn't, well. No, because we never saw him. We didn't know really how old she was. We didn't know anything about her, really. But he did he think Anne was his mother? Did he get to that warped place? Yeah, yeah. it got very yeah. twisted in his head. Okay. There was definitely a Norman Bates. Yeah, and she started wearing the clothes upstairs too. Not That's just that was brilliant because he didn't yeah. provide her with much. So. Yeah. So yeah, considering all that, and yeah, the fact that he wouldn't know they needed to be witnesses. Yeah. And there are people that, you know, justices of the pieces or officiates or whatever. I mean, you can find someone that's going to... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> An extra 50 bucks or something. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, I'll get a wine up. I mean, you know. Do you see enough? Yeah. To me, that's w- just a very small thing. You can, I would get make, sorry. you can get a cop to sign it for you. <laughs> I would make sure that you've tied all those ends through. Okay. Because I, I and you might have, it's just my memory shot on on way at the beginning. So make sure that you know that you're clear on your dates and t- or your tie your ages and stuff like that, and and that okay. you know she never sees her or whatever, all, all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. That's just an editing. <laughs> Revising yeah. her, right? Yeah. You know, I went back a little bit last night to check the ages and stuff and names and and to make sure I had never done the. Certain things to yeah. tip anybody off I, or get I caught think on. Solutions. It was really yeah. good with them under the table and you know dropping the ring and all of that. No, I think you got yourself out of that well. Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the strangest place I had a wedding was the sale barn for cattle. Sorry. Oh, what? Probably the strangest place I had a wedding was in the sale barn. The sale, sale barn. barn. Yeah, you sale for cattle. Yeah. In a sale farm. Yeah, Greg Morris, my classmate from high school. Yeah. Why did they want to be married? He was a farmer and he wanted to be married in the sale barn where they, you know, brought their beef for sale. (laughs) Such a romantic. So we were were down front where the cows would come in one way. 
Yeah, whatever, whatever, you know, the, the auctioneer. Yeah. Oh, my word. It's That's crazy. Yes. It was different. Okay. Yeah. Two living rooms and a park. <laughs> it's a little nippy, that park day, but they yeah. wanted it inside. I hate weddings. <laughs> you hate weddings? I, I hate I'd rather do a funeral. Oh. <laughs> uh, weddings are, yeah, they're just, they're videotaped, so if you make a mistake, it's there forever. <laughs> if the, if you they haven't gone. Most people don't. Okay. Oh, they, some do now. Yeah, some do now because everything's on video. Yeah. But yeah, for weddings, you if you don't have everything planned out ahead of time, there's usually an aunt or a sister that just all of a sudden starts taking over, and then it becomes oh, a disaster, and the poor girl want, doesn't get what she wants. And I never yeah, had see, to deal with drunks. The peace ones were pretty small. I like literally had yeah, a dozen point. people in the room. You know, so. It was more my kids worried about them being noisy and obnoxious in the back when I'm doing one for friends of ours. But you do have two witnesses <laughs> that you have to sign the document, and you do have to get the document in by a set time, because if not, it's a, some felony. It's on the document and stuff. Maybe when the justice arrives, he goes, and where are your witnesses? Oh, they'll be along, says Paul. Yeah, because mm-hmm. usually it's after or during. That's right, yeah. You the wedding, you, you do all that yeah. stuff, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but they still are supposed to but be again, present. But again, it's all blackmailing. Yeah, again, I don't think you, you really know, need no, all no, that. No, 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 for, for sure. I, that's just my lawyer brain kicks in, and yeah. that's... And all those lawyers out there, you can just laugh and say, hey, <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. It was cleared by the lawyer in my ring. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> she said it was okay. I don't know, maybe I'll just have him, you know, say, no, they'll be along. That justice will just continue on. And yeah. Again, you could probably find someone who's, you know, going to do something like that. Yeah, when you get And Paul's not exactly happening. a... <laughs> standing citizen. Yeah, so I imagine he probably could figure something out. So I wasn't bothered by it. Okay. Okay. Okay, who's next? Yeah, who's next? I guess I can do this. Thank you all. all. Right. Which yeah. one are we on? We are back to Bush Pilot. Bush pilot. Well, because okay. the panda one, for your guys' purposes, is currently finished is not the right word, but the draft is done, right? So you've heard yeah. the whole, The draft is done. You've heard the whole thing. Prairie was surprised I had sex scenes in my stories. Oh. Because you don't read them at, we don't read them at the library, right? Four weeks in a row. Four on the bed, in the shower, <laughs> next to the door, on the floor. You got all the places. <laughs> I just kind of laughed at it because it's like, well, it's a room, my romance. Had to get the Kuma Sutra out, yeah. rechecked it. And, and did you do the build up, you know, the aborted kiss and the oh, kiss? Of course, and of course she, she, does, she does it really well. <laughs> She reads either too many novels or has an amazing husband. <laughs> I'm going to go with novels. Thanks for going to tell him that. He's going to be like, yeah, whatever. Thanks, my love. Uh, <laughs> the person that wrote this is named Gwendolyn <laughs> and her husband, Hank. <laughs> Okay, so 
When I went looking back, we're looking. So the last time I had shared this was, holy crap, like a year last June. Mm -hmm. I guess I did just, it was just June. It's been because I didn't get anything done on the panda that week. Um, and they had got, they were on the couch and there was a little kiss and I remember you guys saying, is it too soon for kissing? I don't remember that. I don't either. Really? It's been a while. I like, I've been to Illinois. <laughs> so yeah, they were sitting on, uh, what were they sitting, watching a movie? Was that the movie night? No. Yeah, they were just sitting on the couch and yeah, they sort of, it was a small kiss. I skipped over a little bit because it was a lot of just um, probably stuff that's going to come out anyway. Some other pro not procedural, but the do you have to manage this? Yeah, we don't need to know. I know, right? She's you're such a lawyer, isn't she? Procedural. I'm yeah, probably going exactly. to check some of it out. I haven't yeah. marked in the in my draft what sections I read when, so I will probably. Okay, that would be kind of a cute scene where the lawyer has his procedure for their you know making out session. <laughs> she takes it and throws it out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about this story. I'm just talking about, you know, just in general. He's just chatty. <laughs> Gwendolyn and Hank are both lawyers. How about that? So, so, so start with that one. <laughs> okay, Gwendolyn. <laughs> All right. So this is the next morning from whatever the... The kiss. The okay. kiss and the, the rest what? of that day. Ooh la la. <laughs> and it's probably a little longer than I usually read, but... I just felt a better stopping point. Do I smell bacon? His, her stomach dropped. Cooper stood there wearing only a pair of boxers, which hung low on his hips. His chest was wide and muscular with only a smattering of hair. Her breath caught. That's what it was. I had put her breath caught in her throat. Where the hell else was it going to catch? Nice My that. prairie? <laughs> there you go. You're in my head, prairie. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's good. I, every time I write an L-Y word, I look at it and look at it and look at it. He rubbed one of his eyes. He had that, he had the, well, he had that, it should be that sexy just out of bed look. His sandy brown hair was the definition of bedhead, and his face had a hint of pink from where his cheek had pressed against his pillow. The toaster popped, but Sloane froze. He stared at her. Heat suffused her body. She couldn't tear her eyes away. Uh, yeah, bacon, she mumbled at last. Bless you, he smiled. Coffee? She pointed to the machine and the mugs. I should have taken you away long before now, he said, picking up his coffee pot and plopping it in the maker. Sloane swallowed and told herself he didn't mean what she wished he meant. He flipped down the lid on the coffee machine, and the only sound in the kitchen was it percolating. Cooper shifted his hips back and forth as he waited for his mug to fill. The toast, he told her. Right. She fished the bread out of the toaster, slapped some margarine on it, and put it on a plate. She flipped the bacon and dropped the margarine in another pan for the eggs. Okay, see, so it's getting a little monotonous there. Anyway. <laughs> Once it melted, she poured the eggs in the pan. Here, he said, suddenly coming up behind her. He slid a plate on the counter beside her for the bacon. She smelled him, not bacon. She removed half the bacon and slid it on the plate. Cooper passed her a couple pieces of paper towel and she dabbed the bacon with it. You remember my bacon preference? Of course I do. Why? Of course I do. Why would that surprise you? He liked his bacon crisp, and she didn't. I didn't realize that we had breakfast together that often that you would know, he said. They hadn't, but she remembered everything like that about him. She knew how he took his coffee, black, unless he was in a mood for something sweeter, and then he added hot chocolate to it. 
the size of his shoes, 10, what he liked on his pizza, meat, meat, and more meat. His favorite movie, Field of Dreams, his favorite band, Bon Jovi, and that was only a start. She hoped he knew some of those things about her, even if he'd only thought of her as a friend. She turned his bacon slices and stirred the eggs. Just so we're clear, Cooper began, I don't expect you to cook all week. Good, because I wasn't planning to. I figured I would this morning until we had a schedule. She continued to stir the eggs. For a nanosecond, she thought he might address the whole kiss thing, if one could really call it a kiss. He didn't say anything, and she was okay with that because she didn't know what she would say. Behind her, she heard the plink, bleh, the plates clinking together as Cooper got dishes out for them. Every Saturday at 11, he FaceTimes with his 98-year-old mother, who is deaf. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can make it less noise. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, is it that time? I know, I was like, oh, it's 11 o'clock. <laughs> We're very used to it now. <laughs> oh, this is too predictable, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know if that's going to help that's... much, but let's see. I, all my thought was, is it that time already? <coughs> yep, me too. <laughs> 11 o'clock. Yep. yep. I looked at my time, I thought, huh? <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So. Might read a little louder. All right. <laughs> okay, so behind her, she heard the plates clanking together as Cooper got dishes out for them. Did you want toast, he asked? No, I'm good. I assumed you did. Yeah, I needed to eat my eggs, he agreed. Sloan slid her bacon onto a larger plate and put his crisp pieces on a, on a smaller one. She passed it to him, deliberately avoiding contact with his hand. After she turned the burners off, she brought the pan of eggs to the island. While, sorry, while Cooper loaded his plate with eggs and toast, she brewed her tea. Within a few minutes, they were sitting at opposite ends of the dining table eating. Sloan watched him shoveling eggs onto the toast and then into his mouth. She wasn't sure if it was cute or gross. She shrugged and continued eating her bacon. I figure, he said when he stopped eating and reached for his coffee, we could alternate meals or make things together, whatever works. Breakfasts are all downhill from here. I have add water pancakes, bagels, bread, fruit, and one of those packages of little boxes of cereal, she explained. I can do pancakes one day and then we can get each other, get our own the rest of the time. Oh God, this is painful. I'm just going to skip Too much food. Too much crap. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. So, I'm glad you were all over the food plans. I knew if I left it up to you, it would be potato chips, bagels, beer, and maybe a frozen pizza, she laughed. He nodded, pretty much, and it would have been tragic not to take advantage of the outside grill. Steaks are in the fridge, she told him. He nodded, and then silence. She sat back after picking up and eating her last piece of bacon. She could have eaten twice as much bacon. She loved the stuff. It was too bad it was unhealthy. She sipped her tea and looked into the backyard. She needed to look at anything that wasn't Cooper's bare chest. The man was too hot for his own and her own good. If it weren't for the four feet of table between them, she might have been sitting on his lap. The room was getting warmer, she thought. Cooper gulped back the last of his coffee. George said there's a canoe and life jackets under the back step if we're interested. I haven't done that since summer camp almost 20 years ago, Sloan admitted. Well, this might be the time. I think the water's supposed to be, sorry, the weather is supposed to be pretty good, so the lake won't be choppy, he suggested. Maybe. I'll see how ambitious I am. He nodded. After a few seconds, he gathered his dishes and took them to the dishwasher. 
Thanks, breakfast was great. Before she could say anything, he was gone around the corner and upstairs. She sighed. His avoidance of her wasn't helping her confidence. She was beginning to think he didn't like kissing her. Indignation rose in her. If that was the case, it was hardly fair assessment. He didn't really kiss her. No open mouths or tongues were involved. It wasn't much beyond getting a kiss from one's brother. Sorry. Sloan dropped her forehead on the table. Dear God, please don't let him feel like he was kissing his, his sister. Thud, thud, thud. She finally rested her head on the table. She hoped she hadn't missed her shot with Cooper because she was too stunned to respond. Are you okay? Cooper was standing at the edge of the kitchen. At least this time he was clothed, mostly. He was wearing shorts and a t-shirt, which meant she was forced to oogle his legs and arms, as if that was a hardship. Yeah, I'm fine. He hesitated and then took a couple steps closer. I was planning to head out the back deck with a book if you want to join me. She paused. I might just do that. He nodded and went outside. She put her, her dishes in the dishwasher and went upstairs to change. She slowly closed the bedroom door. Apparently, he was going to pretend it didn't happen. She stood in front of her mirror. Her immediate reaction was to go along with them. As she stared at herself, she reconsidered. Maybe it was time to push boundaries. She was hoping this trip would help her resolve her feelings about Cooper. She hadn't planned to do anything overt, but now perhaps she would. He had, by kissing her. It might be time to make her move. She'd start with her clothes. She pulled the tank top out of her drawer. Her hand picked up a bra and then she dropped it. Not wearing that might nudge him to act. She got dressed and grabbed her novel. Time to join Cooper. Did she or didn't she put on a bra? We'll find out. Sloan was never one to use her feminine wiles, so she wasn't sure if she had sashayed across the deck or had done a dreadful hula dance imitation. It's gorgeous again, she said. She tried to settle on the lounger as gracefully as possible. Another moment where she didn't know if she was pulling off sexy or slapstick comedy. That's the forecast for the whole week. We got lucky. I guess so. Sloan stretched her legs out and crossed them at the ankles. She stretched her arms over her head. In doing so, her breasts pushed against her shirt. She was shocked she did that, and also surprised at the empowerment she felt. For a brief moment, she wondered if she was a siren waiting to break free. <laughs> then her rational thoughts reigned, that's, reigned in that silliness. She was not a siren, and she'd be crazy to think otherwise. She heard Cooper swallow loudly. That had to be a good sign. She was out of her element. Loving him meant she wasn't big on the dating scene. She'd had a few dates and a couple of lovers, but that was more of a fluke than any skill on her part. What are you reading? He turned to her and held up his book. Just your average mass market mystery novel. And you? Romance. It's one of my guilty pleasures, she admitted. You have more than one? He shifted his position to face her more. Now it was her turn to go. Her, her face heated up under his scrutiny. A girl doesn't give away all her secrets, she said with a grin. He chuckled. That sounds like a challenge. She felt the sound all the way to her toes and shivered. He settled into the lounger. Several more seconds passed before he opened his book. She waited, and a few more... <sighs> Sorry. And started reading herself. After what seemed like a long time, Sloane gave up the pretense of reading. She'd read the same paragraph about eight times and still didn't remember what it said. She sighed and closed the book. Bad book? She shrugged. The book is fine. I don't feel much like reading, I guess. What do you want to do? He sat up and swung his legs over the edge of the chair. He leaned close to her. 
I have no idea she lied. She had a few ideas, but she wasn't going to tell him any of those, at least not yet. <coughs> she resisted the urge to lean closer to him. Instead, she turned to face him. Her stomach fluttered as she got caught in his gaze. His eyes burned into her soul, or at least that's what it felt like. Again, he was looking at her like he never did before. She hesitated to read too much into things, just in case she was imagining it, but she didn't think she was. Cooper, she began. He blinked and shook his head. The connection was broken and her heart sank. She didn't know if she wanted to confront him or let it go. If she made her move and was rejected, there would be no going back. He got up and went inside. Sloan closed her eyes and exhaled. She didn't know what to do. Of course, without Cooper near her, she might be able to concentrate enough to read. She could also play some games. On her phone, she had her crossword puzzle book, too. Ah! She cried, and her eyes flung open when something cold touched her. Sorry, he said as he struggled not to laugh. She rubbed her arm. You don't look sorry. He offered her a can of pop. I thought you'd like one. Thanks. She reached for the can, and he pulled it away. Hey! He offered it again. She curled her fingers around it, but he didn't release his grip. Sloane shaded her eyes to look up into his. Mischief twinkled in his dark eyes. He loosened his hold, and as she let... And as he let go, he trailed his fingers along a couple of hers. He didn't miss her sharp intake of breath. He sat on the edge of the chair before sitting back. She snapped her can open and took a gulp. The fizz caught in her throat and she struggled to swallow. She managed to get some down but then coughed. Soda shot out her nose and down the front of her shirt. Oh, God. She sucked in air now that she could. She, could she possibly humiliate herself any worse in front of him? Cooper thumped her back. Jesus, Sloan, are you okay? She nodded. Now I am. You can stop hitting me. Are you sure you're okay? Just embarrassed. It went down the wrong way, she told him. She wiped her chin. Let me grab some paper towel for you, Cooper said, and raced into the kitchen. Before she knew it, Cooper was patting down the front of her shirt. He was touching her breasts. Cooper, she hissed. His hand froze on her left boob. He brought his gaze up to meet hers. I, um... He dropped the paper towel to her lap. No bra? She shook her head, not being able to focus on anything other than the hardening of her nipple. His hand hovered. She leaned closer. He swore and backed away. He was driving her crazy. She could see he wanted to touch her. He had to see that she wanted the same thing, right? It wasn't like she slapped him away. Hell, she moved closer. Did he need a neon sign? I better go change, Sloan said. She crowded into his personal space as she passed him to go back in, in the cabin. Yeah, that's probably a good idea, he mumbled. Oh, what? What was that? <laughs> I thought things were going to happen. <laughs> you just have to come back next time. <laughs> like, what do these two have nerves of steel? Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure last time it was too too soon. But anyway, I'll I don't think I said that. Soon. That was well, not me. It's <laughs> not what I mean. It was Susie. <laughs> against all these things, meaning I'm not sure. Sandy brown hair, copper hair, 
um, I don't know, Sandy Brown? Sandy. For me, it was just must. It was, it was just, just what? Must. You know, it's must. It's not like it's it's morning here. That's all you need. Morning no. here, exactly. The Sandy Brown just felt wrong. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I would assume she's probably checking his chest out Sandy more than the must hair. I, <laughs> I kept said margarine several times. Said what? Margarine. I don't know. Anybody else? She said margarine. I don't know. Maybe he won't eat butter. So no. if, if uh, I was writing the story about him, it would always be margarine. Mine would always be butter. To be fair, if you're going to say a food's bad, that's the margarine. Yeah, no, more than the bacon. And it, and it goes, and it goes okay. along with the bacon. It's if you're having yeah. a bad That's true, yes, okay. <coughs> hey, you merged like six you know those, bucks a block? Do you know those, yeah. you know those old uh, L.Y. words? Yes, there was too many. Have, so just one. Well, one that I caught. Suddenly coming up behind him or her. Why can't you just coming up behind her? It just felt yep. more... Oh, I was waiting for one word with the with the eggs ladled. I read that once a long ladled. time ago. Ladled out yeah, the eggs. Yeah. Ladled. So I was waiting for it and it wasn't there. How do you ladle eggs? I don't know. It was just I read it a long time ago and you, they ladled out the eggs. Um, sorry. The part where you knew all his favorite things, that was really nice. Um, the kiss description about God. I hope he doesn't think I'm like his sister. And I like the part where it's, I, I, he's apparently going to pretend nothing happened, but then so are you, which hopefully will suddenly dawn on her, right? Um, when when he's moving his hips, waiting for the food, <laughs> I wanted so bad for you to say something about her watching his hips okay. and, and getting lost in that, and then that's why. Well, yeah, the one of my zucchini, it's zucchini time, so we have to have yeah. zucchini muffins. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> 
cute or gross. I like that. All of the back and forth uncertainty about everything is, is yeah. great. Yeah. Zucchini Oh my God, you said five, like a tennis no, game. Thank you. No. Yeah, yeah. Look at me. Oh my God, I'm doing too much. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's really good thank doing you, that. Though. With everything. Right. Thank you. Thank you. So, so his character, how would you describe Is that funny him? when I joked about the zucchini earlier? Because yeah. <laughs> I've, I've learned a lot. Like, he's wearing just boxers. Yes. It's early morning. I, you know, okay, so he must be an exhibitionist in, in a way. Because early morning men, I mean, there's, there's things that usually are part of life that... You're not just going to walk out in a pair of boxers because well, I'm things are too that's attention. already happened. That's already well, been dealt with. What but, age okay. is he? Is he under sixteen no, or over I'm, sixteen? Uh, over sixteen might not. Right, but <laughs> if she's also, you know, 16. looking hot herself, you know, things just, you know. Timmy sometimes gotcha. has a mind of his own. <laughs> and if you're just wearing boxers, I mean, okay. I, usually guys are kind of aware of that. Well. But if he's if he's really out there, you know, it, that's why I asked the character. That she would notice. Well, that's just it, which you oh, could yeah. actually have fun with. Is it a two-person tent? Or... Exactly. Oh, if it is, he's got problems. But that's all <laughs> I immediately thought, when he was just wearing his boxers, he was the perfect intent was to turn her on. Yeah. Oh, see, now my, my and thought was he just wanted food. He smelled bacon. Well, see, in that category, I, you know, there may be things that, you know, are not. Of course, the difference is, did he just crawl out of bed? That's what I'm getting at. Down. If he just wanted food, I took it as he just crawled out of bed. He's out yeah. there, but I think things would be yeah. showing if, them. If he's had a pit stop on the way. Really exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it kind of was, I, I guess I expected that that would have happened. Oh, yeah. I, I wasn't thinking oh, yeah. specifically about the morning no. issues. Um, but then you wouldn't have quite so much as... Uh, oh, yeah. probably, well, I, I see him more as pretty laid back, so he's comfortable around her anyway. But I also figured he, you know, had to deal with the morning thing. I mean, most, I assume, you don't can't well, have a whole lot of time to what not I'm, deal with What I'm getting thing. at is if he is very comfortable and just is in there and there is a bit of tinting I mean then she has that awkwardness of oh my gosh Okay. how long does this go on in the morning I can't believe I yeah. had this conversation sorry like well it depends on when he gets up and like okay. I got okay. the impression he just got up he walks in there in his boxers well you know okay yes. but we don't know that Maybe but things do go away it's just you went to the bathroom I, I or, you know that yeah, I don't know what's required. He was just hanging out. And well, I figure he smelled the bacon, went to the bathroom, and downstairs. So, yeah. okay. But point noted, I will. There's, there's the other possibility that he slips on a t-shirt, because sometimes yeah. muscles under a shirt are more enticing than, I don't know. <laughs> Not at that age. No. Oh. <laughs> Perhaps old folks, man. <laughs> uh, it really depends. Like some females really just go for the um, 
the impression. The, the, the covered up and, and you know. And, and what well, it depends on the shirt you're wearing, too. Like, let's be honest. There's, a, you know, there's some, there's some yeah, that's personal type right? of shirts. But, but I know quite a few females have read some of the horseman stuff and gone, no, make him put his pants on. It's yeah. much more alluring because they tend to just wander around in the nude. Um, yeah, and, that's and, not and totally nude is I not right. at all. I mean, okay. You're right. No, I find a woman who is not a, you know, a lesbian, but has some clothing, especially in these movies where they're they're draped with some kind of flimsy thing, and you get mm. an image of the body under the drapery, far more sexy than a totally naked person. Yeah. And mm -hmm. the same with the guy. I see a guy who's got this shirt and maybe. Well, I don't know, maybe just had a shower and it's kind of, you know, still sticking to him or something. That, to me, is powerful. You know? Anyway. Paul's up there writing all this down. Sorry, I got a t-shirt with uh, muscles imprinted on it that I put on well, what I'm picking up, and I just, you know, you get a sense that he's very, Cooper's very, you know, he can walk around in his boxers. I just don't see her as being, the, like, I think she's going to notice things more. Okay, okay. Because you talk about it later on about the, you know, her riskiness is not wearing the bra, even though she probably wants to not wear the bra every day, but... Don't we all? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, you know. But yet she's intentionally leaving, you know. As soon as I get home. Yeah. So I do get a sense that, you know, so, she's probably going to be more concerned about her appearance and what she looks like. And obviously he's the opposite of that. He's just wearing boxers. That's what I'm picking up of the okay. character. Okay. And the thing is, is she's that uptight. As soon as she notices a boxer, she's going to red. <laughs> well, and go, yeah. yeah. Okay, so maybe more of an actual acknowledgement or notice of it that would be. Or, yeah, or like she would probably notice that, which he doesn't. I don't know. Okay. That's what I'm, I'm getting something from their characters by how they're doing their morning routine, if you will. And how they're doing the dance. Yeah. Because he sounds like he's a free spirit and she's more of the... She's a little bit more, Yeah, yes. conservative. But her riskiness you bring out definitely when she puts on the t-shirt without... The... She's in the closet and he's out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that can be part of your stuff when you don't have as much food. <coughs> some of that interaction. I know. I, t I swear it's word count. I know it has to be because it's painful. Don't think about word count. Well, now yeah. I won't, but yeah. then I did. Right. You know, you, you want to get 50,000. So you put it have to be good. <laughs> but having the bacon in there is wonderful because you're like, oh, the bacon, man. Oh, my God. Really good. Yeah. Everybody can relate to bacon. Well, I like bacon, but I was also being like, can we get past the bacon now? Yeah. <laughs> Were they scrambled eggs? <laughs> You're talking about food, and you said you, at one point you stirred the eggs. So are they scrambled? Yeah, if you stir yes. the eggs, yes. over yes. easy. <laughs> exactly. I just want to make sure, because later on it didn't sound like they were scrambled. Okay. Okay, I'm going to all right. <laughs> um, I belonged to the Cornwall Library Book Club for four or five years, and in all that time, I probably read three books that really inspired me. They had all the ingredients and of what I consider good writing, you know, plot, characters, the writing stuff. And this was one of them. This is this month's. I've never heard of this person. 
His name is William Kent Kruger. And this is called Ordinary Grace. And there were passages in here that just kind of blew me away. Just, wow. Anyway, so what I've done is I picked ten of them. It won't really take very long, but... And I'll... I'll give, you, I'll give you each one of these. <laughs> because oh, handouts. We get handouts. <laughs> wow. This is a first. <laughs> this is the teacher coming out. <laughs> September 11, 2021. We have handouts. She's going to be taking Up attendance game, next. Man. All right. Please, don't, don't read the italics. <laughs> don't read. Uh, just, right now. Just, that's okay, the first so thing I want to read now. The first thing says, a young boy killed by a train on the railroad tracks. So with each of these, what I... I was trying to do is how would I describe that? You know, what adjectives would I use? What, you know? And I'm going to read you what he does. And the first one I, I showed you. This is the prologue. I read the prologue, which is only one page long, and I had to keep reading the book. So it says, <clears throat> "All the dying that summer began with the death of a child." A boy with golden hair and thick glasses killed on the railroad tracks outside New Brenlin, Minnesota. Sliced into pieces by a thousand tons of steel speeding across the prairie towards South Dakota. His name was Bobby Cole. He was a sweet looking kid and by that I mean he had eyes that seemed full of dreaming and he wore a half smile as if he was just about to understand something you'd spend an hour trying to explain. I should have known him better, being a better friend. He lived not far from my house and we were the same age. But he was two years behind me in school and might have been held back even more except for the kindness of certain teachers. He was a small kid a simple child, no match at all for the diesel-fed drive of a Union Pacific locomotive. And I thought that was absolutely stunning. Sliced to pieces by a thousand tons of steel speeding across the prairie. I, I, I just, the, the writing. Yeah. And uh, then, yeah, I like that. Yeah, and it goes on just this it was a summer in which death in visitation assumed many forms. Accident, nature, suicide, murder. And all of those figure in it. So the next one was, how would I describe a woman with a large bosom gardening? <laughs> I was thinking of you, Judith. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking melons. <laughs> this is what absolutely... Now listen to this. Well, I got a large bosom. <laughs> That's what she said. I heard it. It's on record. So here's how he does this. Whatever you might thought, melons, you know, whatever you think. The house belonged to Avis and Edna Sweeney. Avis worked at the grain elevators. He was a toothpick of a man with a huge Adam's apple. Edna was blonde with a bosom like the prow of an aircraft carrier. <laughs> got any gravity in there. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes on. Well, I was thinking that. I was thinking one. How did 
does that work? <laughs> yeah, like that comp because I'm like I now I need to know what the front of this aircraft thing looks right. like, and I, I can't picture means, it. I think he means the two, you know, the the <laughs> the, the, the engine thing. Yeah, the yeah. aircraft carrier has one strip that goes out yeah. the front. The wings have the two big. I don't know. The engine. Isn't in the, the yeah, intake? The the, that's off the big old prow of an aircraft. A bosom like. Now, here, let me go up. The Sweeneys had a nice yard with lots of plants and flowers, and Edna did the yard work. She did it dressed in tight shorts and a halter top that barely contained her breasts. I don't remember how I discovered the delight of Edna Sweeney but I was much addicted to the sight of her dress that way and bent to her labor. I spent a lot of time that summer with my eyeball glued to the gap in the fence. What I really like about that is Edna. Edna. The name. <laughs> Just Edna. Uh, I have a cousin, Edna. I always wondered how the woman managed to stand up afterwards. <laughs> You know, you're leaning over to do something. How do you get back up? <laughs> this is just a sentence that just blew me away. Strong legs. Um, Good back. <laughs> very strong back. This, uh, number three, the young woman who plays a musical instrument exquisitely. There's an L-Y word. <laughs> oh, my God. There's nothing wrong with that L-Y word. Just Let me put that out there. Yes, no, no, no. She never said there was. She just said that you have to, you know, they, they're much more effective when they're limited. And, and you know, that, so is everything. <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> okay. Sex, unlimited. Everything else, limited. And I use them a lot, so. Okay. So this is just uh, two, two seconds. Part of it was the music itself, but was also the way Ariel played. To this day, there are pieces I cannot hear without imagining my sister's fingers shaping the music every bit as magnificently as God shaped the wings of butterflies. I, I, I guess that I, what intrigues me about this person is the unusualness of it and the appropriateness of it, other than maybe the prow of the aircraft. <laughs> Um, and this is his uh, description. He's 13 years old, and he's describing his 18-year-old sister. And this is just, it talks about her being the golden child, but this sentence. In the simple way of wild daisies that grew in the grass of the pasture behind our home, she offered her the beauty of herself without pretension. And what a, what a statement. I think it, you, there's so much more to that than the sentences. So he, he's narrating through yeah. the eyes of 13? Yes, he's 53 at the time he wrote the book. Okay. And he, as a 53-year-old, is recounting the summer of 1961. Okay, and how he perceives it today. Yes, okay. so, so the writing is... Because the language is not... No, it's not <laughs> yeah. the language of a 13 year the emotion, the way he describes the emotions and what fascinates him, mm. you know, he, he, I think he really gets back to being 13 and, you know, glueing his eye to the fence to watch. And he also watches her laundry hanging on the line and stuff like this. Um, but no, the language is that, you know, of a his, he's a history teacher at the end, um, recalling that summer and all the people okay. who died. Yeah. 
Um, and then a squeaky door. I, okay, the car drove away and a few moments later, I heard the tiny cry of the hinges on the front screen door. The tiny cry. Wow, well, I wish I could have written that. <laughs> oh yes, and this is the sex scene on the rocks. And I love that part of this. <laughs> you don't need any help. You're putting your ears. Oh, well, that's no, Okay, so the bad guy in town, the, the teenagers, this little girl, they lay on a big blanket that had been spread over the wide, flat ledge of rock. Morris, in his white swimming trunks, had pretty much glued himself to the, a girl who wore a red bathing suit and had long blonde hair. On top of a cooler sat a couple of bottles of beer and the transistor radio, which was now playing Del Shannon's Runaway. While I stood watching from the shadows of the willows, Morris's left hand crawled over the girl's right breast like a big white spider and began to knead the fabric of her suit. In response, she arched her back and pressed harder against him. The large white spider. Oh my gosh. And he's a real creepy guy. <laughs> well, I don't think that description would work in, uh, in your no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's I still a great description, so. but yeah. <laughs> different, different purposes. <laughs> There's one. Oh, I don't even know what it is. Oh, he goes on. The girl responded with mesmerizing cries. Maury, don't. Anyway, it goes on. <laughs> Maury's girl, I just wrote. Uh, what's this? How to describe the atmosphere of a room where a fight had just taken place? He said, she hung up, she's on the phone, and the room was a fist of silence. And a broad smile. I've had to describe broad smiles. And uh, I don't think I've ever done it as well as this. Jake stood in the sunlight that poured in. He glowed as if electrified, and he wore a smile that stretched his cheeks until they nearly snapped. <laughs> the church window as the sun goes down. The sun was low in the sky, and the stained glass window in the western wall at the back of the chancel was alive with the fire of a dozen colors. I like it. It allows you to imagine the colors rather than mm -hmm. talking about orange or red. Mm -hmm. Just like being that. that specific. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And finally, oh, I love this. This is the frail old man. He goes to... Uh, so his father is uh, well over 80 at the end, and here is the description. This year my father is waiting for me in the shade, sitting patiently on the porch of his condominium in St. Paul, staring at the world from under the brim of a clean white ball cap. A tall man, slender all his life, he's grown thin and fragile over the last few years, 
with a heart that worries us both. When I pull into the drive, he rises from the bench and hobbles to my car. He walks like a man built of toothpicks, afraid that the connections will not hold. He opens the door and eases his body, this awkward construction of brittle bone and loose flesh into the passenger side. Good afternoon, sir, he says with chipper energy, and he gives me a smile, telling me that that flash of stained enamel that he's happy to see both me and another day. Toothpicks that aren't going to hold their connection. Anyway, beautiful book, beautiful story. Um, about a lot of deaths and a young lad and coming to terms with all of them. And, uh, yeah. And I did read uh, a number of um, reviews. And I also went on Goodreads, and I don't really like what most of them But the worst criticism I could find of the book was he uses too many ands. <laughs> <laughs> so she quotes one paragraph oh, where it was, you know, the road was long and sandy and dark and wide, and she didn't like that. <laughs> well, if that's the worst thing you can say. <laughs> One of those. Yeah, I was going to say, somebody has to find fault with everything. I know, I know, that's it. But uh, as I said, I, it's just stunningly written. Um, and it's, um, yeah, and he's written, he, he wrote a um, series of detective stories, a Cork O'Connor mystery series. And I'm going to read one, anyone, just to compare it. Mm, yeah, that'll this. be interesting. Yeah, because there's a mystery in here, too. Um, a character dies, and the re we don't find out to the last pages who they suspect a lot of people, but who the, and it, it comes as a, as a surprise, a real, like, wow. <laughs> and when you look back, there's all those little hints, like a good mm. detective story that he's kind of missed. Anyway, that was, for me, a gorgeous book. <laughs> and Gentleman in Moscow was the other one from the, the reading group that I really liked. And a lot of mediocre shit. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a lot of that out there. There is. No. There is. And you can't, just because it's a New York Times bestseller, doesn't tell you doesn't one thing. Oh, no. That's what I found out. That's like, too easy to rig anymore. <laughs> and it's yeah. also what <clears throat> your, the readers who read it are looking for. And I actually stopped going to the book club and get the books because other than one other person and myself, they all love everything. Oh, Do you know? Yeah. So, and they love it because they can identify with a character or who knows why. And often the writing is awful. In the last one, we have um, a Kentucky backwoods woman narrating the story and when she talks she talks with that Kentucky you know uh, yeah. hillbilly kind of talk but then she'll describe in the next paragraph a scene using language like this <laughs> and I said I'm sorry readers you can't writer you can't have her speak like this and write passages you, you can hear the, the different voice the author's voice is here the 
that's my offering for the day. But that inspires me. It inspires me to, and it also intimidates me. But don't, because you yeah. don't need to be that person. No, no, but you just mm. need to let yourself yeah. be you. But it does inspire me to look for more unusual ways of, mm. of describing things. And more colorful simulation. Yeah. yeah. You do a marvelous job of, of some of your descriptions. You well, really do. Thank you. I did go back and I reread some of the things. I found some mistakes, actually. <laughs> <Some> <laughs> mistakes. Oh, God, no! Um, and, and what I found about the various things I've done over the last few years is some of them are, I find, even I like them. <laughs> I'm proud of them. I'm thinking, yeah, I, wow. And some of them are very mediocre to me. Like, it's like, I, as if the inspiration had to see that greater. And so I I think I want to be more, how should I say, discriminatory in, in discriminatory? That's funny, because my approach to writing is like, I try not to do any of that description. You don't do description? I don't like doing description, and I don't like coming up with similes and okay. I, I was just thinking, it just seems tedious. It seems like it'd be a lot of work to write like that. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> just describe I exactly like just, what I see and exactly how I feel. Yeah. That's all I do in mine. But yeah. Well, I told that's just taste, right? Ideas that I have. Okay, sorry. What's going on? I don't know. There's an awful lot of motorcycles. Okay. 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 I just because I was like, every Saturday started with the police vehicle. Or the you know, fire vehicle. 50 of them. Okay, uh, that's good. It's, it's just kind of weird. Some island tour somewhere. We all run out onto the deck. And go. Oh, yeah, no, I'm good. I don't want to do that. Just want to make sure that I'm not, you know. That's why I love our place. We're so off, far off the road, you don't notice don't it. don't notice any of that. Yeah. This is a usual, usually this is a very quiet road. Usually. Usually. Weekends are different. But between the fire truck or the police, whichever it was. I didn't know well, it was a fire truck leading the motorcycles. Yeah. So oh, the fire truck was leading the motorcycles. Yeah. yeah. It was really a rescue vehicle. So the, the, the one idea that I had was when I was sewing, and I was telling um, Tom, I thought, well, how about the machine 40 years ago when my boys were young and I had to hem jeans, and my sewing machine simply wouldn't go over the double. All right. So I went to this place and I said, it just has to straight stitch it. I don't need all this other stuff, but it's got to be able to hem jeans. And for 40 years, I've used the same machine. So I thought about, you know, don't know where I'm going with this, but having the sewing machine tell its story. Mm -hmm. You know, of mm. what it's seen and what it's done over those years, like all the Halloween costumes it made and now how it's relegated to, to being cushion covers and stuff like this. So that was one. Yeah, and I like that one, idea. We, we did talk about it. I, I read a, a post, that, an article that really got me thinking. And it was about how to spend money for the greatest return, you know, in satisfaction, happiness, whatever. And it said, one of the, one of the five things was spend money on experience, not things. Mm -hmm. So 
I took it to my own life, and you know, I have spent money. I've been to Big Sur, I've been to Jamaica, I've had this. But when it comes to lasting happiness, yeah, those memories are okay, but for me, it's been my artwork. Those are things that I started my collection with that piece 30, 40 years ago. I still absolutely love it. And and I move them around automatically, as you can see. And You have noticed. They make, <laughs> they make me happy. And that's like 40 years of joy that comes from an artwork. So, and, and planting trees are the same. Gardening is the same. So I think there really are things that we spend money on that, that have perpetual returns. And even I think after I'm gone, these trees mm. are still going to be there for the animals and, and people and things. So I wanted to somehow write that. But then Tom mentioned Gloria Steinem's advice to Hemingway and, and anyone Hemingway. that would listen to her. Yeah. <laughs> buy art. The little salon in Paris, buy art. You know, art buy, and, buy young artists because that's what you can afford. Right. And don't spend money on clothes. Yeah. Buy art. Yeah. And I know that first piece I bought, it was $150 four years ago, which was a huge amount of money. And I wasn't going to buy it. And, and my girlfriend was with me. This is an art gallery in Montreal. When you see something you love, you buy it. You know? And, I, and I've always followed that. And it's usually a, a guttural thing. It's like, oh my yeah. God, that's beautiful. I, I need to. Anyway, so I'm done. Teachers all finished. <laughs> you have stuff to read. Oh God! <laughs> Want to talk about your book? Uh, well, I'll, I'll just share a little of my adventures over the yes, summer. Well, I that's think that's. What you're gonna say you're yeah. Your own well, adventure. yeah. Uh, my own adventure is uh, I went to a wedding. My my niece had a wedding. Uh, it was a lovely. It was in Kansas City. So we went to Colorado to see my parents. Usually um, I go to Google Maps and check Uh-oh. my own directions. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> my mother handed me one day, well, here's the directions that she had found for the wedding to get to oh, no. the particular downtown hotel of Kansas City. And instead of doing it myself, which is what my normal modus operandi would be, I trusted my mother. <laughs> so as we we drive separately because they left early and i'm on my wife's schedule that's no it's just my wife's schedule is different from theirs (laughs) so by the time we got there it was closer to to evening and every exit every turn that we needed to make based on the directions that my lovely mom had given us via Google Maps, which wasn't updated because Kansas City was doing road construction. (laughs) Every exit, every turn, because every other street was under road construction in Kansas City downtown. So you could not physically follow any directions. Well, then, if you can't follow any directions, well, where is this location? which if I had done what I would normally do, it would be easier. Oh, my God. So at one point, I'm doing the male dead reckoning, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, this looks like the type of things that I've seen on cops, (laughs) where the Kansas City police are 
doing their thing. I'm like, this neighborhood's pretty rough looking. So we take a couple turns and I'm like, okay, we're, we're, no one's able to use the phone. And so we're kind of dead reckoning until uh, lo and behold in the distance, well, there's a, a, a black woman with a white wig. Oh, she's really hurrying to get out of that car. That was a prostitute. <laughs> oh, look, there's a police car just a block away. No wonder she was hurrying from the John's car. <laughs> then my, yeah, then my writer is kicking in. It's like, boy, this would make a great comedy sketch. Oh, my God. You know, pulling up and saying, could you help me? Well, sure, for 50 bucks. <laughs> That kind of helped. <laughs> I was fortunate my wife and my eldest son was in the car, so, you know. Oh, my. 75. Yeah. So, anyway, we do make it to the, the wedding. It's a, it's a lovely, it's a lovely wedding. You were and, on time? Uh, it was the next day, so we were arriving. Oh, yes, with the room. And your mother managed with, with, with all the construction? I'm not sure how they got there. <laughs> uh, I just remember that I did not go to, I got to the room, and I remained in the room, and I think I took maybe an hour shower. <laughs> just And then I just vegged out, because by then I was so, we were like two hours past the time. Oh. So that, that was pretty stressful. But we got to see a prostitute. What? Quite <laughs> Yeah, in a purple tight dress wow. with a white wig. Wow. A black woman with a white wig. It was Probably just in high heels running from the cops. Yeah, running from the cops. <laughs> so that that was the wedding. It was a lovely wedding. Uh, by the way, at the end of the wedding, it was in a, a old warehouse, so it had that magazine look, you know, very nice with the sheet stuff. So at the end, they all made a big circle and they sang Country Roads, Take Me Home. Wow. With the groom and the and the bride in the middle, and then we went outside and they gave us all sparklers and we created two lines. So it was a way to get people okay. The wedding's finally done. Go outside and then they left. Lock the door and don't come back. Yeah, yeah. So it was very well done, very organized. Nice. So that was lovely. So then we also helped Carrie's mom move. Uh, my father-in-law had passed away the previous. February. So we had waited instead of going until we could actually go. I got to see my sons, which I hadn't seen for two years. So. Wow. So we had to take everything out of the old house to a new place where she lived. All that organization. Uh, and then on our trip back, which is the other big <laughs> moment, is before we left, um, we had to, and I actually messaged you, like, we found out we had to have a test, you know, where they stick that thing yes. up your nose. Yeah, yeah. the long test. Because I asked her about, well, how much did it cost you? She said, well, I didn't have to pay anything. You know, they're free in Canada. Yeah. Anyway, if you're coming back from the States to Canada, it's $229 oh, for a test. U.S. Each person. Each person. Oh, wow. And it has to be done within 72 hours of your arrival. You had to get an app. So the app would let you, they would know when you're going to arrive at the border and stuff. And it doesn't even matter if you're don't have vaccinated, an right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you had to have your vaccination cards. And yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we, we paid the 600 Canadian yeah. for these two tests. And we tell the lady in Rockford, Illinois, that in a couple days, because that's, you know, we're going to be crossing the border 
This is why we need to have the test. This is what needs to be done. It's different from the other tests that, oh, no problem, no problem, no problem. So we're in Port, uh, in Bangor, Maine, at a Starbucks waiting for the message saying the test has arrived. So finally, and I told her, don't message me, message my wife, and had her phone number. She messaged me, which I, I can't, you know. Well, I called. Oh, I, so anyway, we found out. Well, she's like, well, the testing place is down one machine. They're not probably not going to get to it. Oh, yeah. We've told you that this is a... T- yeah, we need to do this. And so there is that moment in Starbucks at noon, our time, because it was finally 10 o'clock back there, um, waiting for these results that obviously aren't. Well, then I'll see what I can do. Or the first response, I guess Carrie said, is, well, do you want your money back? <laughs> well, no, I don't want our money. Well, can we get it again? Yeah, because then we're going to have to probably stay in Bangor and find a place to get it done. And that, you know. Oh, my God. So that's what noon was like for us. <laughs> so in our stress, we go down to the river in, in Bangor. There's a nice little river. To contemplate throwing yourself in. Well, no. Just no? to, you know, okay. figure out what we're going to do next. Yeah. Um, so we get out of the car, and of course, Carrie loves the selfies, and she's over by a tree, and there's a bench, and I like sitting, so I just walk over to the bench <laughs> and sit down and wait for her to finish doing her thing. There's a gentleman, older gentleman, uh, comes walking along, and you know we're sitting there, and there's another guy that was back over that way, and he's like, man, I'm so fucking horny, there's just no one around. What about you? No. Yeah, he said that to me. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So my response was, well, I'm angry. <laughs> Since we're sharing. Like, well, I'm not horny. <laughs> I'm angry. He's like, well, why are you angry? Oh my God. So I tell him about the Rockford, Illinois, the testing and this and that. And, and so afterwards, he's like, oh, well, I'm, I always wanted to go to Canada, but I'm from Spain originally, but I got arrested for this or that about 20 <laughs> years ago for marijuana or something. Anyway, I go, well, you know, how, do you think I could get in there? I think, well, you just have to call the officials and just ask. <laughs> what an experience. Yeah, and right now I'm thinking, I need to get my wife out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's this really creepy guy. Yeah. So, so eventually she, she starts crying. Yeah, starts walking over, and he finally walks off and continues on. And right now I'm like, okay, Carrie, you're I'm gonna you're gonna be very close to Carrie. We go up, and there's a little lookout, and we do the lookout and all that. And I see him coming back, and like I'm like, okay, why is he just standing over there? And yeah, like, scary. yeah. So I'm really. So we finally make our way back to the vehicle, and as we get there, there's some guy on a new Harley, you know, one of those Harley wannabe people. Yeah. <laughs> they they have all that stuff on, but, you know, they're not a biker. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we're getting into the car, like, okay, we need to get out of here. I'm keeping an eye on where this one guy had gone. So as we're pulling out, Carrie goes, um, Tom? 
There were a lot of men just parked there. There were no women. I don't think I was in danger. seven because two hour difference right. you know illinois or whatever it is so anyway um she says well by five o'clock you know we'll we'll hopefully have those results for you so we eat lunch at angelo's which is near stephen king's place it's a pizza place that's oh, really right, cheap yes. okay. so we ate our lunch we're killing time around three thirty, i think it was so it's been a couple hours uh, she calls and says, "You're good. There was they're both negative, right. so the tests were done and all that." <laughs> so like, oh, finally. So this is the fun part. So we're going to the border. <laughs> this is the fun part. I'm like, okay. Well, actually, the fun part. <laughs> so we get to the border now. Just a minute, you're in Maine, so you're going into New Brunswick. Yeah, we're gonna go into Brunswick. Go, I go through Holton. I Holton, like the Holton. That's where we used. Yeah, because I hate the skyline, Route Nine. Yeah, I don't know. You know, to I like to that Calus. little small friendly place. But, yeah. Yeah. I just like it's two hours from Bangor and you don't because it's all highway. So we get there. I I know that I'm going to have to probably pay 300 in duty because you're only allowed eight to eight hundred dollars. And what have you bought? Well, (laughs) I'll tell uh, it'll. So. So anyway, (laughs) we get there. We have our vaccinations. We have all this stuff. He goes, well, how much did you spend? I was hoping he would kind of forget that part. Yeah. I looked at him, I go, $1,962? <laughs> and he kind of looked. She, he looks over Carrie. And, and what about her? 340 some. He goes, is that in Canadian? They go, yes. <laughs> what did you get? <laughs> so here's the geeky part. Well, yeah. uh, there's a suit. A very expensive fountain pen. Oh, yes. <laughs> Books and CDs. Dear God, man. No hockey stuff. No, no, no. Car? No, nothing. Just Gucci? He goes, he's like, wait a second. He's figuring stuff out. He goes, well, even with adding your wife's exemption to you, you're like way over. But because of this, and he points to the cars that are already in the base, because obviously yeah. they didn't do their testing. Yes. He goes... You have your one warning. Get out of here. <laughs> nice. Wow. So as we're pulling away, I turn to Gary. Start the car. Start the car. You'll <laughs> <laughs> Walmart commercial. IKEA. Okay. And you were so honest. Like. Well, I, I figured if I didn't, then. Yeah, but you know what? That amount of stuff you'd have probably been fine with. It's when, you know, those the security shows where they open up the suitcase and there's the Gucci bag and the Rolex watch yeah. and they can yeah. say, yeah. Uh, yeah, dude, you're way over. A few books and a pen, they'd have never pen. Yeah. wouldn't have even noticed a pen. Yeah, I know, but again, it just. <laughs> you don't know about him and his obsession with fountain pens and ink and yeah. things. 
Um, I imagine that pen was a lot of money. It was. It was a Conway Stewart from England. Okay. <laughs> so. Okay. Yeah. And will it Man, be lasting happiness? Yes, every time you write, will it? Yeah. Actually, yeah. Be better. <laughs> the, I really like my, the, uh, the other one, the, Vulcan, the one from Italy. Um, mm. That's a really nice work. Yeah. Anyway. I just lie when I come across. I know, oh, I know. Oh, God, really? Oh, no, I have a list, and I, 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 I total it, and then I give 10%, 5%, or whatever on it to make sure that I've covered it. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, it's a lawyer thing. I'm not good at lying. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my face. Oh, my I God. We were wearing, I, when Rob, <laughs> was wearing all the clothes I thought. Do you want me to turn I this off? Uh, Rachel and Susan. Yeah, Rachel and Stan. Stan. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. So that was my adventure coming home. Wow. Well, thank you. That was a, you know, yeah. We had a lot of wonderful last days. Twelve thirty. Yeah. I hear another day.